Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now well hello slurds i've got a little announcement for you the Cheers to Comics podcast is now proudly affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com. That's No Signal Comics. NSCLiveTV.com. And what is NSCLiveTV.com? I'll tell you. It is an all-around comic book channel. Yeah, it's a, you go to this website, NSCLiveTV.com, and you're going to be given all of these options in different channels. Uh, for instance, the Cheers to Comics podcast, I believe, is channel 34. So, yes, there's there. Ah, we're one of the first podcasts on there, but uh, as far as other comic book needs, everything from live auctions to uh, other distributors, and I mean, it is an all around comic book website for collectors and enthusiasts and readers alike. So, once again, Cheers to Comics is super stoked to be affiliated with NSCLiveTV.com, and I, I think you should check it. I don't think. I don't think. I know you should go check it out. Uh, links are all in the description, but yeah, it's easy. NSCLiveTV.com. Your home for the best in auction action. Well, hello again, slurds, and welcome back to the Cheers to Comics podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is another very special segment of Creator Corner. If you're not familiar with what one of my Creator Corners is, then, uh, well, let me just fill you in. I get to talk to a comic book creator, and we get all up in their head, and we figure out some stuff, and it's a whole lot of fun. This particular creator corner is dedicated to a fellow named charlie stickney and you will know him you will know him once his book white ash comes out here in january so i had the opportunity to sit down and pick his brain and i tell you what you (laughs) this was a whole lot of fun it really was Uh, i will go on to say that uh you know i'm uh, getting real tired of making excuses for skype here uh, thankfully, Charlie does most of the talking on this one because, for whatever reason, my my mic output quality, whatever, well, went to shit. I don't know if the dog sat on the cord during the recording or what the hell happened, but mm, not happy with all that. So I do apologize for the uh, the quality in my um, audio. But like I said, Charlie does most of the talking, and mm, he's got good stuff to say, and it sounds good as well. So 
uh, yeah, bear with all that, but I still found it very, <laughs> this, this conversation is necessary. It wasn't, you know, the, the quality wasn't bad enough for me to kick this off to the, to the side, because y'all need to know about this. Charlie's a hell of a dude, and, uh, yeah, um, I'm anxious for, <laughs> for you listeners to get down into this, so without further ado, here you go, here's Charlie Stickney. All right, uh, Charlie Stickney, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you? Um, I'm excited. I'm so very excited. Uh, it took a couple weeks to get this going, but here we are. The, the moment is now, and the, the, the topic is Charlie Stickney and White Ash. So <laughs> um, I'm happy to have you on. I love, I love talking to independent creators, and Scout has been impressing the hell out of me lately. And we'll, we'll get all into all of that in a moment, but... Uh, uh, I want to, you know, how's it going, man? I mean, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, first of all, it's going great. Uh, I mean, the relationship I have with Scout now and just um, comics in general over the last two years uh, has just been this amazing uh, ride. I you know you always when people talk about rides, are like it's a roller coaster. It's going up and down, but for me, it has just been going up. Uh, and, and it's just been fantastic. Uh, I just want to start by saying that the, the comic book community is an amazing place. And I think if you give it love, it's going to give a lot of love back to you. Uh, at least that's been my experience so far. Uh, um, I have to agree with that 100%, man. Even in the comic book, po- I mean, even in the, the little comic book podcast community, it's the same thing. I mean, you, you show love and you land interviews with people like you, just like in this tiny little podcast here. So <laughs> I, I like to think that you're absolutely right about that. And this is the, getting you on here is uh, proof of such situations. So. Yeah, well, I, 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 you know, I don't think any podcast is tiny because uh, if you've ever tried to do a podcast, you realize it's almost as much work, maybe even more work than putting together a comic book. Uh, it, it's a lot to edit it. It's a lot to set up the guests. It's a lot to put it together. So thank you for doing that. And, um, you know, don't don't undersell yourself. It's it's a lot of work. <laughs> right. Um, I appreciate that. But yeah. So, so quickly, um, I'm uh, a writer who's been around comics and, and other media for a long time. Um, I haven't been writing comics for that long. I meant to start as a comic book writer. Uh, when I was in college, I interned at Marvel, and I was planning to you know, go straight into New York, become a writer, an inker, and uh, then I got shanghai out to L.A. for a good while, um, where I worked in the animation industry, I worked in the film industry, um, I've worked uh, low budget films, I've worked uh, features, things like that. So, and I've been working as a, as a writer, as an editor, as a producer of independent films. And, you know, all along, what I was really looking to do was get back to where I started, which was I, I wanted to create comics because I think there's something about the media, the medium of comic books that's so much more fulfilling than uh, a lot of the other forms of media because it's as a creator it's a lot easier to get it right to to create the thing that you want because you you know while it's not cheap to make a comic book it's it's not the same scope as making a film um where you're spending hundreds of millions of dollars sometimes to make these things and you have to jump through so many different hoops 
and you have to make so many compromises to get the production made that your your final product is often many iterations from where you started. Um, but with comics, it's it's you, it's an artist, maybe an editor, and, and together you're able to to create something that that's really close to your original vision, maybe even better than your initial vision. Um, and, and, and so for, for me, um, about two and a half years ago, I, I had a couple of stories that I was looking to, you know, tell as comic books. And so I came back to, um, the medium and I started, I found, um, a couple of great artists to work with and partnered up with them. And I've been making this comic book series, White Ash, that we're really excited to get out into comic book shops in this coming January. Uh, oh man, I, I know I, I'm excited to read it. I read the first part before. I mean, it's super fresh. It's super fresh in my brain right now. Right before I got on the horn with you, and this is a, this is. I mean, I can I can honestly say this is something that everyone will be excited about. If they don't know, they're gonna know White Ash. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, I, I I certainly hope so. I I will say that um, the artist that I'm working with, Connor Hughes and Finn Cram. Um, Finn does the colors and Connor does the line art and the lettering for the book are absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, everyone can judge the writing for themselves and, and see whether it's a story that they you know that they like or that speaks to them. But I, I will say that the art is really um, it's pretty incredible and it gets better as the series goes on and as, as they both got a handle on the world and the characters. And I, I think they're they are both names that people are going to know for a long time that not many people know right now. Oh, well, that, that that's for sure. These guys are future heavy hitters for sure. And uh, I mean, and we we can get into the art uh, and go on and on and on about how they mesh the art and the colors mesh so well together, and it creates this beautiful tone. And it can that the art alone can sell the story because I think Scout even has this little uh, video teaser out there. Yeah, I, I I actually cut that video. That's um, a, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that that comes back to my um, my my background. I'm I'm, I'm fortunate that I've, I've done a lot of different things. So when it comes to the promotion of the book, I'm able to put together some pretty nice little teasers for it. Well, I can tell you that 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 little clip sold a bunch of copies because uh, I I'm I'm very close with the people at Mile High Comics, and he's ah. constantly asking me. Um, you know, what's what's up with the indies? He knows I, I'm really, really in tune with the indie creators. And he's going through the previews and he says, you know, White Ash. And I said, oh, you're going to you're going to want to load up on that one, man. And he was like, OK, what's it about? And I showed him that that video it was just so handy. I showed it to him. and He was that's fucking cool. And yep, ordered up. Uh, so, yeah, man, he's Mile High Comics is on it. They're on board with White Ash for sure. And I, once again, the, 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 the art sold it alone. So just imagine once they get into the story, something that he hasn't even got to experience yet. I've got to experience. So, yeah, it's amazing, man. You're, you're, well, you're, on, to, you're on to something for sure. Well, thank you. And, and because I, I haven't, I'll give, you, give people who are listening the quick pitch. Um, it's like the, the one liner I like to say is it's Romeo and Juliet meets Lord of the Rings in rural Pennsylvania, um, mm -hmm. which is just my shorthand for saying it's a, it's a grounded fantasy that's um, set in a small mining town in uh, rural western Pennsylvania. 
And um, it has in it what I like to call fantasy creep, where it's set in the real world, but these fantasy elements slowly start coming in and and, and taking over. So it it's not you know it, some people take that literally, and they're thinking it's it's Romeo and Juliet and it's Lord of the Rings somehow coming together. But no, it's just those are the elements that that you see in there. There's some, there's a bit of forbidden romance. There's some horror. There's some fantasy. It's a lot of genre mashing, but this one works. Uh, I think I think it's it's a very delicate balance sometimes. If, if you put too many things together, but I, I think, and, and based on what um, we hear from a lot of people, this, this combination in particular is working well. Uh, I, I have to agree. I mean, just from what I've read, and I know there's still a lot more to it. Um, and, you know, I, I actually, that's, before I get into, you know, actually the, the length and the, the process and kind of the different route you took with that, I kind of want to take a step back just a little bit. And maybe uh, let's let's bring in some influences. Uh, you know, maybe let readers kind of know, get a little bit of a grasp of uh, who's writing this story. So let's go back to you see. I mean, you've always been a comic book fan for you know, for a long, long time. Well, who were the who were the ones that inspired you to want to get into this medium and make this something that you did? Well, um, I, I'm I'm. I'm someone who came up in the uh, the mid '80s to okay. to mid '90s. Like that was probably my my heyday when I was getting 50 titles a month. Okay. Um, because back then there were there were subscription services that made it a lot more affordable. Yes. Uh, and, and and comics weren't quite as expensive. Um, but uh, so I, you know, I I think um, I always like a comic with a little bit of humor, uh, which I think helps undercut. Um, you know, help helps you keep the reader off balance, uh, mm -hmm. in, in the sense that you don't, you know, if something's too dreary, too dark, and then someone dies, it's not that big of a deal. It's a, kind of the same balance that, uh, Joss Whedon would sometimes play with in some of his Buffy and, and, and Angel in the sense that, you know, you felt like this was kind of a happy story with a little bit of adventure and then someone really important would die. Right. And it's more of a, more of a gut punch. Um, so you know, bringing this back to comics, one of the first comic book writers who was really doing, you know, this tonally and doing it really well um, was Peter David. Uh, and he had this run on The Incredible Hulk that started, I believe, with Incredible Hulk 331, maybe. Okay. I think that's about what it is. Um, and when he was first working with Todd McFarlane, this is what Todd McFarlane was doing before oh. he moved on to Spider-Man. Um, it was like, I think it was the book right before Spider-Man. And he, um, and, and so he, he was really kind of mastering bringing humor to, to Marvel. Um, and if you look at those early Hulk books, a lot of them are, are very similar in terms of their tone to the MCU that's out right now. Um, they share a lot of sensibilities and up until that, um, Marvel wasn't that funny. Like they, you know, like they had a writer here or there who would throw in a joke, but I, I never kind of got that sense of levity balanced with with danger and, and real stakes that Peter David was able to do. So, um, you know, I, I I loved what he was doing with the Hulk. Um, Chris Claremont's run was epic on on okay. the X Men back then, uh, and and I like for, for me, what I really liked, um, from that time period is there were certain writers that were allowed to be on a title for eight to 10 years. Um, yes. and, and they were able to, you know, have storylines that would play out over a really long time. 
Um, and um, even like even with all the crossovers that they started having to do, Chris Claremont was still able to map things out, and he was writing three books and 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 you know or four books at the time, and and each of them he could just take his time laying out a story, you know, seeding something now, knowing he was going to pay it off in a year and a half because he had the luxury of knowing he was writing the books. And the same thing with Peter David. Um, Peter David was on the Hulk from, you know, like like I said, about three thirty one over just before the that original hulk series uh ended um it was like 420 okay. or something so it was close to 100 issues and the hulk wasn't doing the you know the weekly thing or the bi-weekly thing so you know that that was definitely close to um eight or nine years of just him on the book um and and, and no one else was like he was the voice of the hulk um and so he really got to see a lot of things so so i loved like for me, you know, what makes a comic great is when it, it can just really play out over time. Um, you know, I, 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 I liked Neil Gaiman. I mean, I think everyone likes right. him, but you know, like, like I was there at the beginning when Sandman was still being published as, as weekly issues. So I was reading that. That was interesting. I always found it, um, at the time and I, and I still like, I appreciated it more than I enjoyed it. If that makes yeah. sense. Uh, yes. Like, no. I I know exactly what you mean. I mean, you can have all. <laughs> no. I all too well. I know exactly what you mean. So so like I mean like I I was getting it. I it would be usually near the top of my read pile because I you know like there were things that just I, I think it's almost like the difference between if you've seen these two TV show series, The Shield and The Wire. Um, like the I, I don't know if you have you seen those shows. I can't um, the, say that I have. No. Okay. So the, so, so there are two cop dramas. Um, one was on HBO, one was on FX, uh, starred okay. Michael Chiklis. And The Wire was incredible. And it was painstaking in its detail. And you knew when you were watching it, you were watching something great. But it sometimes was a little tedious. Uh, whereas The Shield was also good, but it was like an adrenaline rush. And every episode basically set up the next episode, and, and you couldn't stop watching it. So... You know, when I, when I was reading Sandman, I always felt like I'm appreciating the quality. I know how good this is. I'll go back and I'll read it again and I'll appreciate the scope of what it's doing. But it never really hooked me in the same way where it, there was an adrenaline surge where I, I had to read the next issue. Um, and, you know, like, and, and, and so, like, you know, again, different things from different kind of comics. And then, yeah, I mean, Alan Moore, um, I was doing some great things at the time, but like the book of his that I like the most, and I don't know if you've read this one is miracle man. Like, yes. I think the original miracle man, um, like that's one of the greatest, like that, that's maybe my favorite thing that Alan Moore has done. And, you know, he's done, you know, everyone loves everything that Alan Moore has done. But for me, miracle man is, is the best thing he's done. No, uh, that was a, uh, I think it's what miracle man number seven is the first time they show a live birth in comics or something like that. Or it's one of those. Yeah. It's no miracle man was groundbreaking. It, it really right. is. And Neil Gaiman's talking about wanting to bring it back to Marvel, but it, I mean, who knows who owns it at this point? That's a whole other thing. Well, but well, yeah. But what I, what I loved about that, and it's something that I love, um, you know, it's, it's a theme that goes through a lot of the things that, um, that I write is it, it's about someone whose life, you know, is wrapped up in, in the mundane day to day. And, you know, they're looking to escape it. They don't know how. And then there's something that comes that reveals, 
a different destiny, a different path that goes forward for them. And I think for me, that comes from growing up in a small town. Uh, and I, I grew up in a small coastal community in, in rural Maine, um, with, you know, with about 7,000 people. And, and you always think, you know, there's got to be something more than this. And then, you know, you, you go to college and it's something more. But after a while, you start wondering, is there something more than that? And um, so, so for me, you know, I like to explore that. What if that something more is actually something interesting? Um, ah. You know, and, and like and so like that, that's kind of a key theme that I like to play with that kind of nags me. And I start thinking about, um, you know, it, it's the what if. What if I was really this? What if the world was really this? Um, that's uh, what if is probably the most important question in, in uh, well, art. Well, it's, it's like it's what if, then it's why tell this story right now? You know, like there has to be urgency. Like why, why is this the moment when the story gets told? And who is the lens that we're going to tell this story through? So if you have a good what if, if you have a good when, and you have a good, you know, lens, um, that's interesting that, you know, it's, it's a character that people want to go on this journey of exploration with, then you're going to have um, a great comic, a great novel, a great movie, uh, you know, what have you. But I think for me, those are the keys to something that's great. Well, I mean, that's it's uh, with all of just that all sets up what the potential for a great comic. Just knowing, I mean, you obviously know how to tell a story and tell it right. You're not just jumping into this, even though this is your your first uh, real shot at comics. Am I right? I mean, your 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 first big published deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, like I. I, I've written for a, for a fair number of other mediums. I, I've developed for I've developed uh, animated television shows, and I've written for animation. Um, I've written some feature films. Uh, I've written some TV pilots. So, like I, I, I've worked in in, in various um, forms before, and each um, form has its own rhythm, its own set of rules, and types of stories that work for that medium. Um, yes. But but there's a lot of overlap. Um, and it's just understanding why a certain story works better for one genre or how to adapt the story you're telling to a different. But um, having grown up with comics, again, it was it was a medium that I always you know, envisioned myself writing for. And in fact, a couple of my earliest screenplays were things that I had plotted out when I was, you know, 18, 19 as a comic book series. Um, and then I was like, oh, I'll turn them into a screenplay because I've already done all this word world building for it. And, and, and so, um, but yeah, this is white ash was the first, um, comic series that, um, I, I, I've done, I, I did a web comic for a little while that I drew myself, but that was just, you know, a, a side project for some, for fun. Um, oh, cool. and it just let me know that, you know, like I, I have also a little bit of an art background. I was looking for a while at, you know, when I was in college, not only being a writer, but being an inker and, and, and doing some things like that. Um, but I know enough about art to know that if I wanted someone to buy the book, I needed to have someone who'd be better than me. Mm-hmm. And, and I always think it's, it's good to know your limitations um, and you know, know where something could be better. Um, so, so yeah, so like it, was, it was the first book that I set out to do, but because I have all the other experience writing and, and, and putting projects together, um, I didn't go the safe route with it. A lot of people are like, you should do a mini series, you should do a one-off. 
And I, I went and plotted out something that's about a 60-issue series um, mm-hmm. and uh, said, I'm going to make this. And that's awesome. So that's, you know, like that's, that's what I'm in the middle of right now. And then like the first comic book convention that I did was San Diego. <laughs> like the first look at you. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like, people are like, you realize like, this is the hardest one. I'm like, well, I, I've been here plenty of times. How hard can it be to be behind a table? Um, so it's hard. Uh, but I will also say, um, as crowded as San Diego comic-con has become, it's nice to have a table to hide behind if you need it. Uh, <laughs> that's nice right on <laughs> I, don't, I don't know well, have, you actually, have you been to san diego before i have not been to san diego no no uh, it, it it sounds it, it it's it sounds like chaos to be honest it's you know it's changed over the last like the first san diego comic-con i went to was in 99 i think maybe mm. 98 somewhere around there and they were just building this monstrosity that they call hall h which was a new, yes. um, yeah. So like, so that that was just opening, or had just opened around the time that I, I went uh, for the first or second time. And so, you know, there used to be a five minute wait to get into that. Yeah, no. <laughs> and um, so, like, like you know, like that that was my earlier experiences. Like a bunch of friends, we would get a a hotel um, together, and you know, we would all go down, and spend four or five days at the convention, um, and uh, so like it, it was just a little vacation, but it's become, you know, with the entertainment industry realizing this is prime advertising space, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's hit our, um, demographic our target demographic directly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's become a little crazy over the last, uh, 10 years or so. Um, that said, I mean, like if you're looking to, to make a splash, you know, to get the name of your comic out to, to validate yourself, having oh, a booth yeah. there goes a long way. Oh, 100%. I mean, no better place, really. That's, that's, yeah. No, I, I, I admire that. I do. And how did, I mean, uh, how did that end up working out for? I mean, you said it was hard, but uh, were you, were you funding a Kickstarter at this time? Because I know that this was actually originally, Scout didn't just, you know, fund this thing. You, you self funded it or, well, crowdfunded it. Yeah. So, um, we're, I mean, I like to go back to this. We're in a really interesting time with comics right now in that there's a lot of great content out there. Um, and there, but there's so many things that are being created. Uh, and especially in the comic book shops themselves, the, the market share is getting smaller and smaller in terms of how many issues are being sold for, for independent comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you kind of have to go into the, you know, the whole thing about making comics with your eyes wide open um, about the economics behind it. And, um, if you think, you know, I'm going to create an independent comic book series and I'm just going to get a publisher or, and, uh, you know, that's going to pay for getting the comic made. Um, you're going to be kind of, it's actually kind of a naive thought because, um, outside of, um, a couple books at image, uh, it's really hard to sustain past about four or five to six issues uh, a comic book series that's generating enough money to actually make the series. Well, this is um, a speculator's world when it comes to image comic books now, because after five issues, if you know there's not a new Walking Dead series going on after, I mean, on TV, 
you know, like, you know, at this point, like Reverse, a great, great book coming out of Image. But I'm starting to see the sales drip down, even though the book is getting better. And it's, it started out strong. But, it, I mean, to prove your point, it's because there's, you know, not this huge demand for it. I mean, it just kind of gets lost in the... I hate to say the word muck, but yeah, and it's a shame. So, I mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. When I when you say the right. big two, I could guess. I mean, I would guess probably Saga and The Walking Dead. And, well, the Saga's on hiatus, and The Walking Dead isn't a thing anymore. So, at the meantime, we do have a little bit of a chance to shine, but that's, right. that, uh, that's but only like, temporary. But even in that, like, you look at a title like Crowded which you know was was making waves on the internet because of uh, for piracy and whatnot but like uh, the, the bigger story um do you know crowded at image uh, i do i do i haven't read it but i am i am very aware of it so so crowded was just recently not you know was nominated for an eisner uh, it may have even won an eisner I, I don't you know off the top of my head i don't know whether it won but you know image has just changed the model on crowded they're no longer going to be publishing single issues of that book um, they're just going to go with their, Hey, when you finish it, give us a trade and we'll sell the trade model. Whoa. Uh, you know, because the numbers for individual issues of crowded were not enough. Um, and, and that's a team of, you know, of a couple of people who are known, uh, they're not known well enough. Um, so, you know, you can look at like, like the other big problem with this and we just, just talk about it, is also that diamond is the. You know, has a monopoly on comic distribution, uh-huh. and so they can set the price. They can set you know how much a creator gets for a book. So you know, if you start thinking like if you if you do these numbers, um, and you start thinking about your favorite comic, and you can look at the numbers of sales that it has. Um, if you're at Image, which has one of the best deals for independent creators, if a title sells say four thousand issues, you know that generated you know like half of that money is going to go straight to um, Diamond, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 4000 times the $4 price. That's 16000 That leaves $8,000 left over that's split between the image and the creator. Mm-hmm. And yeah. image, an image takes, a, I believe, a flat fee. I think it's like $5,000, somewhere around there. My numbers may be a little bit off, which now leaves, for a title that sold 4,000 copies, $3,000 that had to go towards making the issue. Um, and you know, like $3,000 is not enough to make a professional level comic book. It's not enough to even to pay one artist to make a professional level comic book. Um, so you start thinking about what your numbers have to be. Um, and, and for me, I mapped out if I was at image to be able to afford making, um, uh, white ash, I would need to be selling at least seven and a half to 8,000 copies a month. Um, and then you go and you look at one of those sites that aggregates all the numbers and, and shows you, you know, how many comics are at, you know, at say 8,000 or above that are not a Marvel title that are not based on, um, an established IP like aliens or predator mm-hmm. or Tarzan. Um, and, and you find that there's maybe four or five titles every month that hit that mark, you know, it's it, a shame. It, like, like, and so if, if you look at the market that way, there's only four or five titles a month that are non-Marvel, DC, that um, are not based on established IP, that are probably making enough per issue to sustain a series. Um, and that's at, that's at 
you know, image, which again has like the best creator deal. And, and a lot of people can't get into image. I don't know if we would have gotten in. I, that was not something I tried because, you know, I knew right off the bat, we would not be able to sustain the series in the way that I was envisioning telling the story. So this brings me this is my very long winded intro of getting back to Kickstarter. My thought was if I could find a way to fund the book on Kickstarter, I could find another company, publishing company to partner with that would then distribute it to comic book shops once the initial costs had been paid for. And so I could expand my audience in comic book shops, maybe make some money, but fund the bulk of the book on Kickstarter. So we, we actually had five Kickstarters for White Ash. And each was progressively more successful than last. And we've done a really good job of building up a fan base on um, Kickstarter. And to the point where I know, you know, like the model going forward is, so we have this content that we've Kickstarted, but we also want to offer a new experience for people who are coming to the comic book shops. So I, I was offering larger size volumes on Kickstarter because, you know, you, you're, you're you're pledging, you're backing books at a little bit of a higher dollar rate mm -hmm. than, you know, like your standard comic book. So I wanted to give people more bang for their buck on the Kickstarter. But I also want, again, to create a unique product for the direct market because I think it's important for retailers to have something that hasn't been out there already. So I'm taking the story as it was told on Kickstarter and I'm breaking it up into different size issues. We're creating new pages and new content that will be in the um, the Scout version that's going to be coming out in comic book shops with all new covers. So I like to think that the Scout version is the collectible version, it's the monthly version, and it ultimately actually has more pages than what we had on Kickstarter, but you're able to consume it in a different way. And then going forward, the plan is to, you know, kickstart enough revenue so we can, cr you know, keep creating these and then also you know, every year start a new um, story arc via a scout. And I, I'm writing the issues in a way right now so we can have different content for both audiences. And then we can hopefully funnel the Kickstarter people into the, um, the direct market for those people who are completists. Um, and, you know, and then like some of the you know, people who will be in the shops will also maybe back the Kickstarter if, if they want to get the other version as well. Well, it's brilliant marketing because, for one, uh, while you get while you're um, getting the the book funded before you, you get it to scout, you're also building the fan base already. So you have people excited before the book comes out. You're not just hoping that you sell a few issues. You know that a few issues have already been sold and people are excited about it. So you got that side of it. Um, but on the other side, you've got two different versions of your product out there creating a demand and collectability in an industry that is all about collectability. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's brilliant marketing on two sides. Uh, so I, I, I have to ask this. Uh, Scout is... They came out with uh, Metal Shark Bro. They were the first ones. I mean, I love Metal Shark Bro. You're in great yeah. company with Scout, bro, with Scout man. <laughs> but they, they did something kind of similar where they uh, crowdfunded their book. They did the, uh, the single issue, and then Scout put out the first issue. And then they launched something called the Binge Line. Now, is this right. something that maybe White Oush would be? I mean, we're... Because I know that you told the first issue originally, was it like 54 pages or something like that? And you're, you know, this is how you're splitting it up. 
as far as how it's going to be redistributed. If I, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm yeah, mistaken so, on that. Stop me yeah. if I am. No, so so Scout, um, yeah, you're you're completely right. They have, um, it's actually they uh, they had to change the the title of it because uh, somebody already owned the binge line. So now it's it's called non nonstop. Um, and okay, cool. So they have two different um, ways that they're going to release comics, and it depends on the comic book. And they're trying to find you know the right balance because you know I. I recently have called about 300 uh, comic book shops around the country just trying to get the word out a little bit about White Ash. So I had a chance to talk to some retailers. And some of them really like um, the nonstop way of doing things because it gives you, you know, it gives you the collectible and it also gives you the trade. Mm-hmm. Others don't want the collectible. They're just going to get the trade for their stores. So I, I think it's something that's still being tested. I think, you know, ultimately... You know, the collector end of the market is not going to sustain itself forever. It's it's about the stories, and a lot of people want to be able to to read the stories. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I like that model, um, but I also understand. I mean, there's there's a little bit of if people will buy the floppies, um, it helps pay for the production of the trade. So then you can have more profit with the trade. We we kind of did the same thing on Kickstarter. But um, so Scout's planning to do two different release models depending on the title. Uh, okay. So so like right now we are coming out. We are part of the the floppy model still, and I think that's nice because like I said, like our, our original um, issue, first issue on Kickstarter was fifty two pages, but that's been broken up into uh, two issues, and um, we're adding another three or four pages to those two issues. So each of those issues in themselves will be substantial and new than the original 52 page that came out um, on Kickstarter. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, I think it just really depends on the title. Um, Kevin Joseph, who does a book called Tart, um, his, his book is also coming out in January, but that's going to be the nonstop brand new release that's coming out that month. So they're doing a number one of Tart, and then a couple months later, they'll be doing um, the trade for that. And Kevin's really great too. He's he's actually the one who introduced me to Scout, um, and this this goes back to uh, how wonderful the comic book community is. Um, like I, I've gotten to know um, Bob and Kevin and, and Walter who, a little bit who did Metal Shark Bro, and yeah. uh, you know and and they're all you know they're advocates for White Ash. Um, you know, I, I can help advocate for uh, Metal Shark Bro to tell at least my Kickstarter backers, hey, this is a great book. It's hysterical. You should read it. Um, and, and, and so, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty happy with Scout as a company. Um, you know, I won't get into the other companies, but we had another th- three offers from, from um, other publishers. And Scout was the right combination, the right deal in terms of the place we wanted to be. And ultimately I also really just liked, um, uh, uh, the Jameses, uh, Pruitt and heck who, um, are running scout and, um, they just have, they have a really great group of people over there. And it was something that when I met with them, I said, you know what, this is the right fit. Well, I mean, I, I, every, I think Scout has uh, this year of all years, man. They have really put themselves on the map, and because I could say uh, at this point, I mean, ever since Metal Shark Bro came into my life, I, I do give every single Scout number one a shot, 
and there's very few of them that I've dropped. <laughs> and oh. I mean, it's, it, they, they are putting out quality. And, yeah. But more than anything, it's the fact that they're willing to, I mean, they started out with the binge thing and that kind of got, you know, whoopsie. But, you know, they're still willing to try to uh, change something in a good way and create uh, a, another manner and, you know, a, an outlet for new readers to maybe want to jump in somehow. And I, I, I have to respect that. I respect change in this industry quite a bit. And for a company like Scout to be the ones to step up and say, we're going to change the model and... You're going to like it, and this is going to be cool, and nothing's going to stop us, regardless of the speed bump height, so dig it. And yeah, no, I think it's perfect that a book like yours, with the way you're doing it, to find Scout, it's just, it, it just works all too well. It's, it was meant to be. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, like they, they, they're working really hard um, to not only improve the company, but to, to find different ways to get books in, in, in people's hands. Uh, I, I had a lot of conversations with them and you know they understand there's a collector's market and so they're trying to serve that market they also understand how important retailers are so they do a lot of outreach to retailers and you know that they're offering all the you know if a retailer wants to do um an incentive an exclusive cover that they're quick with that um but they also you know they've been leveraging like there's a big network on facebook which i was surprised to find out about you know in terms of comic books and um like a I, I personally was on, on the verge of dropping Facebook and then I realized, oh, it's a big part of what I'm going to need to do with comics. So I'm going to, so like, it's like that, that was, but like they, they do really well with their store. Um, there's a couple of stores that are now, um, uh, Jen King. I don't know if she has this, um, store, uh, space cutie, cosmic cuties. I think, I think it's, uh, I'm butchering the name, but, uh, Jen commander, okay. Jen King, you can find her on Twitter. She, she okay. actually has like a home shopping network consortium of shops on Facebook. And they do Facebook live shows where they let people, um, you know, get exclusive covers and they do shows all the time. And, and she's great. And so like, you know, finding, you know, people who are, who are innovating and, and, and um, creating new ways and new pathways to connect fans to comics. I, I think that's fantastic. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I have nothing but respect for that. That's for sure. So, uh, White Ash, um, you've, you've, how many volumes at this point have you completed as far as, uh, you, you want to go 60 with it. Um, how far into that are you? I mean, the, you've, you've got a lot on ready to be released. That's for sure. We still got a few, well, way too long. Shoot January, man, <laughs> before yeah. this comes out. But yeah, a lot of anticipation brewing up. So the, so the first 160, uh, 161 pages are in the can, which is going to work out to six issues plus um, some extra content for uh, probably for Scout's first trade. Um, the next 72-page um, arc, uh, Connor, uh, is planning on starting on that next week. So, you know... He'll, he'll do 72, then he's going to take a break and work on another project, and then he'll come back and probably do another 60 to 80. So, but by, you know, we'd like to have it, have a new mini series or a maxi series, however you, you want to uh, parse it out, uh, drop every year from Scout. Like that's going forward. Uh, in terms of how far we are into that story, um, I, I would say, you know, I mean, like this is technically 160 pages works out to just on about seven and a half 22 page issues right okay um you know like roughly 
Um, so a tenth, a tenth uh-huh. of the way in the story. Right on, man. Maybe like that's that's probably where we're at. Um, Sweet. Yeah, but you well, know, like like at the end of the day, I mean, I I you know I'm also realistic about it. Um, you know, I don't want to leave a cliffhanger for people where um you know they they feel like i never found out what happens i was loving that and they got you know 700 pages in and the story just ends so i have um a couple of natural stopping points for it if um we need to truncate it um so we can come to a really good conclusion but you know like there's a lot of stuff that happens in these first couple of issues that is you know it's just stuff that's being seeded four years from now gotcha oh man this this is exciting stuff it really is and i i mean it just gives an insight as to how how far ahead you've looked at this you're not just winging this this is clearly something that i mean you 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 know all about this is your universe and uh, uh it just it just makes it so much more exciting knowing that yeah yeah i mean like, like i have a i have a rather large document which has um two to three page um uh outlines for the next uh probably about 14 issues and then um looser um outlines for for the subsequent story arcs so you know like i i know where every character is supposed to end up who lives who dies uh and how what you know where they started is going to inform the end you know and i think that's really important especially when you ask a what if question um it's important that you give people answers Right. You know, like, I think we've all watched a TV series um, that had a fantastic premise that didn't necessarily pay off in the end mm-hmm. or the same thing with a comic, you know, and I think it's really easy to ask those questions, um, you know, a really cool what if. But if you don't have, well, this is what if to answer it, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I don't necessarily think that's fair to the people you're taking on the journey. Uh, well, well, I respect that, and I, I agree. I agree with that completely. <laughs> that's that's awesome, man. Um, well, I mean, a lot of times, you know, when I do these interviews, I ask what's next. But uh, I, you know, with stuff like this, I, I I believe that you know what's what's next is White Ash. Let's just keep it at White Ash, man. I'm sure that you you've got a million ideas in the pipeline, but. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, let's, I think it's, we should just get, ex- stay excited about this. You know, it's, <laughs> this is your, your, your first big break. So I don't, I don't want to move forward past that. I think this is, oh, I, I, I the comic's going to sell itself. It, it really is. As soon as it hits, it, it hits people's hands and they open it up and someone talks about it. It's, it's over, man. You're good. No, so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. No. And I, I think, I think, you know, you're right to keep the focus on, um, you know, I'm White Ash. I, th- I think when you're starting in any enterprise, it's easy to expand too quickly, um, especially if you experience some success. And like uh, we, we've had some really good success on Kickstarter. Um, and, and while I do have other projects that will be dropping and coming out in the next couple of years, um, you know, I, I did really want to get a good foundation down for white ash first you know and we we have i have another project that we we're putting an issue together and we've already been approached by people and i'm like hey let's let's just see how this first one goes <laughs> right, before right. We, we you know we you know we want to do this right we want to do everything right um again because i think once you being a creator um a successful 
creator is about building equity with a fan base. And, you know, people want to see that you deliver on, you know, on story, on um, making sure things come out on time, that they can trust in investing their emotions with you. Uh, and, and, and once you have that rapport, that's when it's time to take some chances and to try something new and to, to, to push the bar a little bit further forward. Um, but, you know, you, you have to build that equity first, and it's a two-way relationship. Uh, yes. No, I, I agree. And um, I'm, I'm happy to hear that it's, it's acknowledged on your end, too, man, because it's, uh, I, like I said, this is, this, I don't know, this is too, too good to skip forward. You know, it, let's, let's just, yeah, we're, we're going to enjoy the hell out of this for a while. And then when, when there's more to come, because I know there will be more to come, you're going to, you are going to have success with this. And people, I mean, there's going to be a demand for you to want more, whether you want it or not. People are going to want more out of you, man. <laughs> this is, oh, thank you. But, uh, yeah, no, um, well, so we've talked about White Ash without spoiling anything. That is the thing is I definitely don't want to spoil anything. The tagline for the book is the smaller the town, the bigger the secrets. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, like it's the series, like especially the first four issues are, are built on a lot of reveals that we keep. Oh, you thought it was this? Well, there's also this and there's also this and there was also that. And so, you know, it's it's a fun it's fun to watch those reveals play out. And then you go back and you look and say, oh, yeah, I can see how that was was set up a little bit here and there ahead of time. Um, so yeah, so I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'd like to have everyone be able to have that first experience for themselves if they can. Oh yeah, because it definitely took me for a loop more than once just in those the, 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 that first part, man. <laughs> it's so good. It really is. It, it just wanted, it made me want, and I have everything. I can keep going, but I have this thing where if I, if I don't have to read digital, I don't. Um, I mean, I, you will be getting my, you sent me the whole thing in PDF and digital and I, I appreciate that, but you're going to get my, my, my dollars because I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to buy this in physical for sure, because that's how I like to read my comics. And I, I feel like I just get more out of it that way. And don't get me wrong. I, I appreciate getting the whole thing, but I don't, I don't want to know until everyone else knows at this point, because I mean, I would hate to accidentally spoil something for someone on this because this is at this point, this is <laughs> this is Game of Thrones level type of suspense when it comes down to it. I mean, it's it, it, I mean it is, and uh, it's ah, you just oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin it. I'm gonna stop talking about it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm really glad to hear how much you're enjoying it. Right on. Um, well, uh, I I I kind of like to know. I I know that. You creators are extremely busy, and you have hard deadlines, even when they are self-imposed. Uh, do you get the chance to read anything? Are you a Wednesday warrior at all? I mean, do you, do you read anything current, or do you go back and uh, revisit, you know, classics? Uh, so, I mean, do you get the chance to read it all? I, I, I do. I mean, um, I think it's really important to know um, what else is coming out. Mm -hmm. um, just, just from a, a, a business standpoint, um, if, if you're working in film or television, you need to watch all the TV shows you need to watch, or at least the popular ones, because you need to know what people are reading, what people are watching. So, um, I will check out, um, new books from, from image or from, like, I, I stick with most of the independents at this point. Um, cool. and, and that's, that's mainly because, um, there's such investment to get back into um, 
say Marvel or, or, or DC because they're such oh, yeah. lar- large universes. And I, I put in my time there, you know, like, like oh like, yes, like, like, you know, like there was a good 10 years where I, you know, had my finger on the pulse of everything that was happening in the Marvel universe. And, that, and that's a daunting you know, and task. Did. And it's getting even more daunting every year. Cause I mean, just Marvel alone puts out almost a hundred titles. And I could right. say that, I mean, I get like almost 80 of them and you can't expect everybody to be into all that. That's, that's crazy. So yeah, independent well, is what I usually push to, to new readers. Well, and I also think that, um, I think it's harder that like when, like I've had my version of Spider-Man, I've mm-hmm. had my version of the Hulk and you know, Good or bad, these will not be that version of the characters. You know, like they, they've evolved and so many things have happened. It's just not going to feel like you're trying to go back to that well, and it's just not going to be the same. So it's like nostalgia fighting. It's it's really difficult. So, mm-hmm. um, I I think you know like that's one of the reasons why Marvel. You know, like there there are not as many people who read it for thirty years as there are people who read it for say ten. Um, and I think, um, you know, like, so with the independence, it's easier to sort of check out a new series. Um, that said, like I picked up Von Fries last week, I guess it was, was it last week that that came out just yeah, because, yeah. um, you know, I, like I seeing Klaus Jansen and, um, Sean Murphy. So I'm going to check that one out. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I also like, I back a lot of books on Kickstarter. Yes. Lot. Okay, uh, cool. Because that's also a community, so I want to support the other people in my community. Um, and so I don't read all of those uh, unless unless they look really good. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, like 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 with everything, there's there's good and bad titles, and there are plenty of bad books that I've backed on Kickstarter, but also some great books. Right. Uh, so like I, I let's see, I picked up um, Olympia, I picked up Heartbeat. Um, Heartbeat was neat. I feel like that might be images kind of shot at maybe a mutant universe of some sort. Like that's kind of the vibe I got out of it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like, so I, I, I like those. Um, I don't know if I will read more issues. Like, it takes a lot at this point for me to get hooked on a series. To mm-hmm. you know, it has to be something really interesting for me to read more than um, one issue. I. I read three or four issues of the Weatherman. Weatherman, I thought that was really good. Gotcha. I like that. Um, let's see, what else have I read recently? Uh, like, oh yeah, I do. I have this gigantic stack of comics that I haven't <laughs> gotten around to reading, and most of them are, are Kickstarter. Oh, you know what I really like? Um, and and these are uh, um, David. Uh, uh, um, oh God. Long day with kids. Uh, David Pepos. Um, oh, yeah, going to the chapel. Going to the chapel. Holy right. shit, he's killing it on action. Everyone at Action Lab's killing it, man. Uh, yeah. Ryland Grant on Banjax. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I, I like Ryland. I, I like, like David's work, um, but I also know them. So, that, that also influences. Uh, and, but it's nice when you know people who are doing good work. Well, I didn't know them until I read their books. They've both been on this show, and uh, you were there. I mean, you were highly recommended by them both. So uh, that's yeah. But at the same time, I mean, uh, I, I didn't have them on until I realized that I loved their work. 
So coming from somebody that has that opposite viewpoint, um, trust me, it's good. It's not a bias. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, 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 I got to know them at the same time I was reading their work. So like that was okay. Cool. I, I like, I, I, um, they're they're both also LA based creators like I am. So I, I've met up with them, you know, at, at various events and, and gotten to know them as people. Um, but there's plenty of people that I've gotten to know in other fields that you're going to work with who you like as people, but you don't like their work. So it's, it's a nice synergy when you actually like their work and like them. Uh, it, it makes, uh, makes talking about their work, both, you know, when you're on a podcast or when you're talking to them, um, about, uh, you know, the latest issue, say of going to the chapel or, um, Spencer and Locke, which I re- really like. Have you, mm-hmm. you read Spencer and Locke? Yes. Uh, so like, you know, like it was, it, I, and and then I got to actually at LA Comic Con I shared a table with David for a little while too, um, nice. so then we were talking about you know, convention strategies and um, just navigating. Like he's he's been really good for me cause, because he does a lot of retailer outreach. So um, I was just was picking his brain on you know the best ways to do that, and he's a really great source of information and just a generous guy. Yeah, he was he was nothing but awesome on the show. That's for sure. I'd, I'd have him back anytime. He's just extremely humble, and he's <laughs> he 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 also knows he has something brilliant too. I mean, between the two things he's done, yeah, he's a really killer. smart guy too. I mean, uh, very that, smart. That comes through real quick. Um, yes, uh, just the fact that he's done two different point of views from crime and done them both so very very well and very very differently it's just it's it's brilliance man you just only imagine what else he's capable of so yeah smart for sure (laughs) i think i've picked your brain enough to be honest i mean i I, there's a lot more that i want to know but i don't want to ruin anything you know and those are all i mean in, in order to get to those questions it would involve picking apart uh, well, uh, white ash, and I think that might be a conversation. Hopefully, we could have down the road once the, the the book is out there and the public has devoured it, and it's in its seventeenth printing. And <laughs> well, you know, like I said, I, I'd be more than happy to come back. And if you want to do something, maybe this summer uh, after Comic Con, you'll have probably at that point read, you know, the first arc, and uh, we can talk about that. And the second arc will be in production. Maybe I can get you some of those copies as well. Oh man, that would be awesome. That would be sweet. Uh, <laughs> you got me all excited. Um, Charlie, man, I, I can't uh, thank you enough for carving out the time to, to come on the show and I wish you the best of luck. I don't you don't need the, you don't need my well wishes on this man. It's gonna sell itself. You've, you, you, you've, you've got gold here. You've uh, well, got thank gold. you. I think well, you know let's, let's, let's from, from your uh, from your lips to the retailer shelves. Uh, um, on January 29th when everyone can uh, get a copy. Yes, yes. And um, uh, at this point, the, the, the pre-orders have, uh, have already been due, right? I, I, think, I think today was officially the last day for pre-orders. Yes. But what I will say, and this is, this is really important, not just for my title, but for, for anybody else's, like I, I'm going to start blasting out the pre-orders for number two shortly. Because if, you know, if there's a book that looks good to you that you want to pick up, a lot of retailers, um, especially when it comes to a smaller company, they just order the number ones. And That's... then those number ones get snatched up by speculators and, um, you know, and, and they don't order number twos. So if you want 
you're shocked to have the number two. And again, I'm, I'm you know, obviously it'd be great if you did that for me, but like if there's another book that's coming out and it's from Scout or it's from Action Lab, it's from Source Point Press, it's from Black Mask, it's from Vault. Um, you know, like sometimes like if you're not in the big city, they're just not going to order the number twos. Yeah, I mean, it helps to add it as an ongoing too. If you have a pull yeah. box, that's that's yeah. that's that's a great way to do it because that's just that that, that those those pull boxes are uh, creators' best friends, man. That's that's what I do. I mean, I I I don't just add a number one. I add the whole thing, and you know, at that point, I I drop it if need be. But I with I seriously, I pick up probably ninety to a hundred titles a month just for the show. And I don't remember the last title I dropped. <laughs> I love <laughs> comics, man. <laughs> so dropping's not really a thing I do very often. But yeah, no, that's that, that's just another option out there. If you, you know, it's it's easy to forget to to order the number two. But still, like you know, Charlie here said, listeners, very very important. Oh man, it's 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 gonna be great. <laughs> well, well, I know they have some. Um, we have some fantastic covers um, that. You know that are not part of the the first two that they're putting out, um, just in case uh, they have reprints or they want to go some with some retailer incentives. So there's there's some good stuff. Nice, nice. Well, uh, I know I'm excited, and I, I was excited going into this, and but your enthusiasm and your you just your background in the industry it just uh, solidifies the fact that you're 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 just not some guy shooting in the dark and hoping coming into this. You obviously have a, a knowledge and background on creating uh, media and you know, digestible media at that. So and on on several different levels. I mean, we could have gotten your animation and your produ- you know your producer credits and uh, all of that stuff, but I mean, I, I, I think we're gonna let. White Ash speak for itself, and it's all going to explain it in there because it's it, you. You clearly have put so much detail into this with everything you know, and yes, it's it's gonna it's gonna speak for itself. So, well, thank you so much, Charlie. I know it's getting late even on the West Coast, so I'll let you uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, and you take care, man. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. You too. <laughs> Cheers. Well, slurs that that does it. That wraps up that little creator creator corner. Uh, Charlie Stickney was awesome. I'm <laughs> I I can't stress enough how much I have to urge you to go out and pick up his book White Ash in January. The the, the dude just he knows what to do, and I I I, I could have could have given away a whole bunch of stuff and we could have got into spoilers and that would have really really definitely got you into it but just just take my word for it you know i'm i'm no shill i'm i only push quality content on you because i want you to keep liking it and it does no it doesn't mean no advantage to push bad stuff on you because it's just going to turn you off and then it's going to turn you off of the podcast so eh, what are you going to do uh, so yes, uh, that was awesome. Uh, I know the the my audio quality was not awesome. So once again, I do apologize for that. I really do. That's fucking unacceptable. But ah, Charlie just had good stuff to say. We talked economics, motherfucking economics, throwing down money and all that type of good stuff. So that was definitely some great insight there that we haven't really uh, been able to pull out of this podcast yet up until now and 
uh, yeah, I mean, the dude's a jack-of-all-trades, so, bam. Hope you enjoyed it. I do have to urge you, still, I'm gonna still do this, uh, go to Patreon. Patreon.com slash Cheers to Comics. That's how you support this podcast in the best way possible. Uh, tears start at just a dollar. I'm gonna send you stickers, and, yeah, you, you, you gotta go to bed at night knowing that you are helping support a, the quality podcast getting just increasing the quality so mm, good on you there i really do appreciate that uh the other way to do or to uh support this podcast and it really really does help it doesn't cost you anything but a couple minutes of your time and that's leaving a review on apple podcasts those five star reviews are huge uh that that feedback is great i really do take that in and you know I'll, i'll read that shit on the air i'll read it if you want me to (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, no, get your get yourself a little airtime, a little credit where credit is due. Quite frankly, so it's been fun. Thank you, Slurge, so much for tuning in. And and once again, I must urge you to head on over to NSCLiveTV.com, the new Cheers to Comics proud affiliate and sponsor. So yes, NSCLiveTV.com, the best in auction action. And uh, yeah, this, this wraps it up. It's been a podcast. You slurds read responsibly. Cheers, fuckers. This is RJ, Ash, Ray, Brandon, Harrison, and Bronson. We host a Dungeons & Dragons podcast called Realms & Nerds. Some highlights of our show include wreaking havoc in every town we visit, blowing up hot tubs, killing off fan-favorite characters, high necromancers, inappropriate wedding etiquette, and every now and then, actually good storytelling. Join us in the realms of Pridea for fun fantasy adventures. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or just about wherever you get podcasts.